Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We are here with round two of our uh, discussion on eternal security. We are asking the question, can a Christian lose their salvation? Can a Christian lose their salvation? Now, of course, if we're talking salvation in the sense of we die and now we are forever uh, in our eternal state, obviously at that point, no. Uh, there's nothing in the scripture that would indicate something of that nature. So, we're really talking about can a Christian be removed from their saved position or uh, be removed from their um, position before God in this life. And we went through several uh, proof texts, let's call them that, for folks that believe in eternal security. We ran through those, um, some scriptures in Romans, and John, and uh, one in Ephesians. So go back and check that one out, <clears throat> talking about the different um, different scriptures that people use that believe in the uh, perseverance of the saints, eternal security, once saved, always saved. These are all uh, synonyms for the same thing. But ultimately, we need to look at the, the totality of scripture, and we, we can certainly cherry-pick some, some verses that might, might lean that way or can at least be interpreted that way. And we showed some of the um, alternative interpretations and brought in some additional scriptures to give some clarity to those. But this time around, we're going to look at some scriptures that specifically uh, hit the, the other side of the, of the question, the other side of the equation. And that is uh, that indeed the scriptures seem to indicate that we can fall from grace, fall from our secure position, that uh, if we don't remain in Christ, uh, that, that, you know, that, 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 that security, that, uh, that salvation, that, that state in this life, again, in this life of us being quote-unquote saved, uh, it can falter if we decide, if we decide to sort of walk away from Christ, to stop obeying Him, to um, to you know go back to maybe where He brought us from, and <clears throat> some of our guiding factors or principles we need to keep in mind. One, God is sovereign; God can do what He wants to do. Uh, it's not a matter of well, I don't think God could, could or would or should or whatever. It's He's God. He can lay out the ground rules however he wants. So if he says it's completely unconditional and everybody in the world's going to be saved, fine. If he says, hey, actually there's only a specific elect few that are saved and I've chosen them already and there's nothing they can do or not do to change my mind. Okay, great. Uh, he's God. He can do what he wants. Or if he says, you know what? I want everybody to be saved, but I'm going to give people free will and they need to freely obey me, choose me, however you want to term that, 
uh, in order to receive this free gift of salvation? Well, if that's the case, then hey, he's God. So let's take a look at some of the scriptures that we've been alluding to for a little while now and see what they have to say. We're going to start with Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So he's specifically talking about the gospel message, which brings salvation. We know this. He's, he's talking to a group of people who he says, right, you were alienated, past tense, but you are reconciled to Christ. So this is not maybe they're in, maybe they're not, maybe they're elect, maybe they're not. He's saying, no, you've been reconciled right, by Christ's body through death. Um, he's presenting you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Then he says that, that just amazing word that so many people overlook in these discussions, if, if what? You continue in your faith, established and firm. And then he says, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Now, if you, can, if you can't be moved from this hope, why would he talk about this? Uh, if, he, if, there, if there's no way to uh, discontinue our faith, why would he talk about if you continue? These are the, the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about. Uh, it doesn't make sense for him to use language like that if these are just, uh, you know, just completely um, uh, just threats, right? Empty threats. Threats that, well, you know, you, you don't want to be moved. Oh, wait, but you can't be moved. But just ignore that fact and, you know, hold on to the hope that you have. I mean, that doesn't make any sense especially when you continue on and you read the rest of these scriptures. Again, if you just cherry-picked Colossians 1, and that was the only scripture that kind of indicated this, all right, that might make sense, but <coughs> I can promise you there are many, many more, and we're going to another one right now. Romans 11, 22. Now, you might remember from last time, we read Romans chapter 11, verse 29, the gifts and his call, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable, um, they're without repentance, and oh, people will use that and say, see, God, uh, God, God won't revoke his gifts or his promises, and you know, the point really was, if the promise is conditional, he's not revoking it. We are just not living up to our side of the bargain, and um, right here we see that just a few verses before that in Romans 11, it says, consider, this is Romans 11, 22, Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. So you can't continue in something if you're not already in it, obviously. And he's letting them know you're in that kindness. He's got kindness toward you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Now, if that weren't enough, I think you can easily just 
take it right there and say, obviously, if we don't continue, then we don't have that kindness toward us anymore. But he literally, this next phrase kind of reiterates it and really solidifies what he's talking about. He says, this is, again, Romans eleven twenty two. otherwise you also will be cut off. Now, he's talking to a church in Rome who he is telling you have been grafted in. You're in, baby. You're in the kindness of God. But watch out because you could be cut off. Well, what does that even mean? What does cut off even mean if you really can't? Well, you could be cut off, but you really can't. That doesn't make any sense. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. We mentioned the scripture last time, but I want to uh, say it again right here. Again, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. No, this is Paul speaking. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What prize? What does he care about? You've got you've got eternal security. You're eternally secure. You've got salvation. I mean, Paul, right? I mean, is there anybody that thinks he wasn't one of the quote unquote elect? Um, I don't think so. And so, why would he be? What what prize is he worried about? Uh, it's kind of obvious, but you know, maybe not to some. Mark thirteen thirteen. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I mean, you see the qualifier stands firm to the end. It doesn't say, well, just everybody. No, those who stand firm to the end. First Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. In what? Your life and doctrine. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Again, that, that word that people don't like. If, if you do, well, <coughs> there's an if there. So what is the natural understanding of the word if? Well, if you do, you'll save yourself and your hearers. So if you don't, you will also save yourself and your hearers, right? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Just a any common just human, natural reading of this verse will lead you to believe that you need to watch your life and doctrine closely and you need to persevere because if you do, you'll save yourself and your hearers. Um, so multiple epistles uh, written to churches, written to Timothy himself, and all consistently showing what? There doesn't seem to be any notion of, well, these churches are already secure, settled, good to go. Why have this need for continuance? Why have this need for holding on to the hope and not being moved or whatever? Um, I think it's because this next verse is true. <laughs> we got another one. Ready? Galatians 5.4. Galatians is written to a church who believed the gospel who followed the gospel. You can go and read Galatians 1. It is very clear um, that they were starting to veer from the gospel that they originally believed in. It was not fake. It was not false. There's no indication of that. Uh, but Galatians 5.4, <clears throat> Paul says this to the Galatian church. You are severed from Christ. 
you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Now again, the plain English normal understanding, normative understanding of being severed from is that you were connected to it. You can't fall away from grace if you never actually had grace to begin with. Okay? Now this Greek word here, the, the fallen away, um, ekpipto, or maybe it's ekpipto, um, it is New Testament 1601, and it means uh, driven out from one's course, uh, to lose, cast, fail, fall away, or fall off, right? Take none, no effect or none effect. It's saying that the grace is cast off. You've lost it. How, I mean, again, if you're just, it's, it's by grace, through faith, there's nothing that can that can you know, take you away. Um, well, Jesus said, no, no one can pluck you out of my hand, but as we talked about last time, it does not mean that we can't do things that would remove us. And here, he's specifically talking about those who are moving away from the view of faith and grace and uh, belief and obedience in the gospel to following the law. And so they are doing something that is removing them from the grace of God. <coughs> I apologize. A lot of, I don't know if it's pollen or what's going on, but um, we're going to try and soldier through. Soldier through. So, 2 Peter 3.17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. <clears throat> your secure position. Wait a minute. I thought it was secure. It's only secure if we are doing what God requires for it to be secure. Walking and following continuing in our faith, continuing in obedience to God is required. Otherwise, we can fall from that secure position. We can fall away from grace. Galatians 5.4 says that, falling from your secure position, 2 Peter 3.17. Keep in mind again, Galatians, Peter, these are written two people that are saved. So it's not talking to a bunch of lost people. You can fall from some position or whatever. It wouldn't make, it wouldn't make sense anyway. Uh, what secure position if you're, if you're talking to lost folks? So, once again, we can see that people can fall from the grace of God and their secure position. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27 really hit home. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies 
of God. Again, what is sin? What is sinning? That is walking in disobedience to God, right? Sin is simply disobedience to God. And so, once we've received that knowledge, there's no sacrifice for our sins left. We, we, we don't get to just keep on willingly sinning uh, and remaining in God's good graces. We, we don't get to do that. Did I come up with that rule? No, God decided. As I said in the beginning, one of our guiding principles, God gets to decide. James 5, 19-20. Now, let's follow this closely because it's very interesting. My brothers, James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, now he's talking to brethren, people who are in the church, people who are saved, people who have believed and followed the gospel. My brothers, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. <coughs> Again, apologize for this uh, coughing and stuff going on. It's just craziness. It's just crazy. But, talking to brothers, he says, if one of you, one of the brethren, someone who's a brother, wanders away from the truth, and then someone turns around and brings them back. Whoever turns a sinner. Well, why are we talking about sinners? Because a brother who turns away from the truth is now a sinner again. That's why. It's very clear. I mean, unless you think that James is just completely mid-sentence, just chopped it up starts talking about something totally different. Um, it's a very clear reading. If you turn a sinner from the error of his way, he'll save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. So we can go from that status of the being part of the brethren, being a brother in Christ, to we've, we, we've wandered away. Did someone snatch them away? No. Did someone force them away? No. It says, you wonder from the truth. So, as I've been saying, by our own will, we can decide, I will no longer follow the ways of God. I will, I'm walking away. I am taking myself out of. And that's what it takes. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Hmm. We drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received is just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. It is impossible. For those who have once been enlightened, <clears throat> who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance. Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God 
all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Now, I do not see that the scriptures teach that all, again, we, we just read James, and it talks about someone has wandered from the truth. They're, they're sort of a, you know, in the sinner category again. And then someone can <clears throat> convert them back or bring them back. Well, in Hebrews, it sounds like they've fallen away and they can't be brought back. Just because there are levels of falling away or turning away, one, you know, at least two that we can see. One where you can be brought back, you're still open, maybe you've wondered because of a reason that is not really, you know, kind of searing your conscience, it's just you, you've grown frustrated or discouraged or <clears throat> you, you, you just, you know, you stopped sort of putting yourself into that obedience mode and, let you know, you know slacked off, whatever it might be. Um, that person can be reunited with Christ, can be brought back in. But there is an element where someone has truly fallen away to a point where they can't be brought back to repentance. And again, if either of them is possible, then the whole idea of eternal security is incorrect. But I think they are both legitimate ways of falling away from uh, from God, from his salvation. And I often counsel people or will tell people that are curious about this or more often concerned about this, that someone who is concerned and they're like, oh no, I hope I haven't, I'm not the one that's fallen away and can't be brought back to repentance. And, you know, uh, I'm worried about this. I just want to pray. And I, I, I don't, it doesn't seem. It seems to indicate <clears throat> that these folks, they they can't be brought back to repentance. They're not worried about it. They're not crying and seeking the face of God and saying, "Oh God, I want to repent, but I I'm not able to." I, I mean, maybe that's the case, and God's just they've gone so far, they've done so much, and God just says, "Nope, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna forgive you. I'm not going to." But um, seems to me. They are folks that have fallen away, and they aren't worried about it. They don't want back in. They are away, and they want to be away, and that kind of person cannot be brought back to repentance because repentance is an act of, one, sovereign grace, God calling, God beckoning, but a response to that, a response to God calling, a response to the call of God, that response is required on the behalf of the person, and if the person is not interested, they are not going to repent. So, uh, Galatians 2.18, For if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So, <clears throat> again, Paul seeming to give a category that if he were to do this, he would be a transgressor. 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So who, who is this? Someone who has escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What's the next phrase? And are again entangled in it and overcome. 
they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit, and a a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Now, I think someone could try to, you know, split hairs with a few of these verses and say, oh, but see, it's it's someone that just kind of knew the way of righteousness, but they didn't actually follow through. They didn't actually partake. They didn't actually become one that is that is in it, that has followed the gospel. They just knew about it. Well, I, I, I don't think that really holds water. Um, one, in the context of all these other scriptures, because some of them are so clear, they, they can't even be read that way. But even ones like this that maybe you could try to try to make that case, let's let's look at it again. If they have escaped the corruption of the world. Now, how have you escaped the corruption of the world if you only theoretically or in you know with knowledge you know the truth but you never really respond to it? How have you escaped the corruption of the world? And how does it make sense that you've returned to the vomit or you've returned to the mud? That would indicate that you are, as it says, a sow that is washed. That that would indicate that you you were washed, there's a change there, and now you're going back. So once again, even in these scriptures, without going to these others, which there's a there's a multitude of these scriptures, but even within this scripture, it's pretty clear. It's not saying that someone just kind of knew about it. They had knowledge. They didn't act on it. They didn't actually follow Christ and, you know, believe. And it, it doesn't say that. It very much indicates they've escaped the corruption of the world. And it indicates they were washed and they've gone back to the wallowing in the mud. And so I think it's pretty clear even just within, within <clears throat> scriptures like this, you can see that the truth tends to just sort of come out. Now, with all of this, with all these scriptures, um, you know, the question sort of becomes, well, how do we, I mean, how do we secure? I mean, do we should we walk around constantly in fear, constantly, you know, like God is playing spiritual whack-a-mole. He just can't wait. He's got the the Lamb's Book of Life, and he's writing our name in it, but then he's got a big old huge eraser on the end of that thing, and he's just ready at the drop of a hat to just, you know, scrub our name out of that Book of Life. I don't think God is that way in any way, shape, or form. It was his plan, the whole plan of redemption, everything. It, it was his, uh, it was his idea. He's the one that so loved the world. Uh, he is looking for a, a way to save people, but he wants people to serve him and obey him, and that requires them to act, them to utilize their God-given free will and to uh, obey him, to follow him, right? Things like repentance. And so how do we, how do we get to that point where we're not constantly worried about, oh my goodness, I've, you know, if I have a wrong thought or I, you know, say one little, one little misstep or something. Um, I think, I think these next couple of verses give us some insights. 
Uh, John 15, 4 through 7. Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. So there we see, again, the picture of a branch that has been removed and thrown into the fire. Uh, it has to have been connected to the tree at some point, and yet here it is being removed and thrown into the fire. So we see that part of it, but the, the part I want to call out here is to just simply remain in Christ. Remain in him. What does that mean? Jesus specifically says that when we obey him, we are his friends. When we obey him, that is how our connection, our remaining, our abiding. When the when the Bible talks about you know abiding in in him, he says those that are obeying. And then he says, if you love me, obey me or um, obey my commands. The way we abide in Christ, the way we remain in him, is to continually obey him. It's, it's not that difficult. We just, we obey Christ. We obey him. And uh, in that vein, we have that fellowship with Christ where his blood is cleansing us, um, where his blood remains, um, where we don't fall into Hebrews where it says, you know, there's, there's no more remission of sin. No, we have that remission through Christ because we are remaining in him. Let the last scripture here, <clears throat> 2 Peter 1, this is 4 through 11, so it's quite a few verses, but I want to kind of go through them and show that one way that we can, uh, we can do some things to build up walls around us, walls of protection to strengthen ourselves so that we, we don't end up getting enticed or uh, pulled in a direction where we, again, not pulled without our will, but even just enticed and pulled away because we are drawn and we decide, I'm, I'm not going to obey Jesus anymore. I'm not going to abide in him anymore. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So he says it's the desires, right? You've got to watch out for those evil desires. Verse 5 is, is where he picks it up. For this very reason, make every effort. Now, who's supposed to make the effort? We are supposed to make every effort. I know people want to believe that living for God requires no effort. Uh, the, the, anyone who thinks anything along those lines is sorely mistaken. Whatever gospel you have, whatever God you have, whatever Jesus you have, whatever... Bible, you're here. That that it's it is not the right one. It is not the right understanding. It is not the right Jesus. Not the right gospel. Uh, that is not the case. So <clears throat> I'm going to back it up. Start again with verse five. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities, see the if, 
if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, there is a list here of things that we should start to develop, things we should start to uh, produce in our lives, all right? You have faith. It starts there. Real biblical faith. Goodness. Knowledge. Self-control. Perseverance, right? Or uh, or patience or that stick to itness, uh, Godliness. Brotherly kindness and love. <clears throat> so, when we read the scriptures and we see things like the fruit of the Spirit, things that should be coming out of a life that is led by the Spirit of God. We should pause and seek to produce those things. When we read things that Jesus says, like, hey, do this or don't do that, we should listen. <coughs> we should hearken and obey. Because in this continual uh, abiding in Christ... We are making our calling and election sure. And if we have these things, we won't fall. So, I say, if you want to have uh, eternal, you know, kind of air quotes, eternal security, then uh, the way to make ourselves secure is to continually obey the Word of God. Continue to do what he has commanded. Continue to abide in him. Continue to lean on him, to follow him. And that really is the way that we can make uh, a, a, a secure foundation, a secure place in the kingdom of God. It's not by my, our might, our strength, our will, our, you know, even though we use these things, we use our, yeah, our, you know, the way you function is a, you have a body. The way we, you know, do things is through intent, activation of our will. But that in and of itself is not what gets us into the kingdom or keeps us. What does is taking those things, submitting them to Christ, and learning to trust and obey him. Doing that on a continual basis will give us eternal security. So I hope that has helped you. Uh, didn't see the first part? Definitely go back and watch that. Share this with folks that you feel will benefit from this. And obviously, if people have questions or things like that, they can reach out to us. Facebook, catch us uh, there, message us, or podcast at brubbergers.com. But we want to make sure that people have the truth. The truth of God's Word, the truth of the Scriptures, that's what we are looking for. And so we hope this has helped you grow in the Word of God 
and the kingdom of God in the truth. So God bless you. We love you. And we will catch you on the next episode.